Welcome to A Teaspoon of Healing, where we explore the pathways to wellness and vibrant living. Listen to personal stories of healing and interviews with experts. It's time to open a doorway to healing in your life through positive changes. Here is your host, Dawn Damari. Hi, I'm Dawn Damari, and you're listening to another episode of A Teaspoon of Healing. This week's topic is men's emotional and mental health. Men's emotional health is often neglected when we talk about this topic, and it's very important. My guest is Sean Brown. He grew up in the town I currently live in, Laguna Beach, California, which is a beautiful town and a very fun town. Sometimes it can be a little too much fun, so Sean is going to talk about some of his experiences with that growing up as a youth in this town, and he's also going to be talking about recovery and a recovery center that he and another person who lives here founded. So we're going to talk about that and a lot more. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. Please consult a physician or other health professional before undertaking changes in lifestyle or wellness habits. The author claims no responsibility to any person or entity for any liability, loss, or damage caused or alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of use, application, or interpretation of the information presented herein. And before we get into our interview, let's hear from one of our sponsors, Golf Tours. Hi, this is Goff, owner of Goff Tours, specializing in stand-up paddleboarding or surfing lessons. I even do snorkeling. You can reach me here. Orange County has what you're looking for. You can contact me via email at gofftours at gmail.com or mobile number is 949-338-5937, gofftours.com. I'm Dawn Damari, and you're listening to A Teaspoon of Healing. Well, today the topic is men's health, men's emotional health, mental health. With me today is my guest, Sean Brown. He's a Laguna Beach local. And hello, Sean. Hey, Dawn. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Doing well, thanks. Just uh, enjoying this beautiful Sunday afternoon. Yeah, me too. It's beautiful. And thank you for joining me today on A Teaspoon of Healing. Yeah, no problem. I'm, I'm really surprised we finally got our kids, you know, in line so we can do this. So I'm lo- looking forward to it. I'm excited. So, Sean, the topic today is men's health, and we're going to specifically talk about emotional health, mental health. You grew up in the town I live in. I didn't grow up here, but I've lived here off and on for, for quite a while, and yeah. Laguna Beach. And this is a topic that is near and dear to your heart, and you're also involved with a recovery center in the town of Laguna Beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A friend of mine, uh, Ed Cardenas, called me recently and asked me to work on a, a project with him. That's the Laguna Beach Recovery Services, just specifically for locals. So we actually have our first meeting coming up in the next week or so, so that's exciting. We should have an update there soon. My story and, and journey with this stuff where I wanted to engage with you was because growing up in town, it's kind of weird. People don't realize in small towns like Laguna, per capita, the amount of drug use that goes on is just ridiculous. Because, I mean, all my friends mm-hmm. when we grew up, yeah. we have friends who have uh, a lot of excess. And there's a lot, of, a lot of cash around. You know, we're at the beach. We have a bunch of tourists coming in in the summertime and all the fun bars, all the beautiful women, beautiful men, whatever. But with that being said, mm-hmm. I lost a lot of my best friends to drugs and alcohol when we were all young. Looking back, sometimes oh. I also am like, pretty surprised I'm still around, to be honest with you. I mean, seriously, what a blessing that is. But. That's kind of what prompted me to want to talk to you because I know that a lot of men out there probably do not have resources or place to start as far as where do I go, what do I do, and 
we don't really take enough time to pay attention to ourselves to recognize there may even be an issue. So I luckily opted to do that for myself. And I just wanted to kind of share what that experience is like for people who are looking for some guidance on where you start, what you look at. And typically what I'd say is mostly in the mirror, but that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. Okay. For me specifically, you know, I had a lot of death when I was young. You know, my mother uh, bought a business in Laguna Beach in 1987. We were all instantly welcomed in town, whatnot. And it was actually a video store off of Calliope Glenary called Video Station. Super old school. Uh, Anybody who's been in town for a long time knows what that place is. Most of my friends I met through my mother and their parents, obviously coming and renting videos back then. That was great. In the middle of high school, my mom actually had a heart attack and got sick and ended up having to move away. Oddly enough, I'm one of the few kids in town who was actually raised by the town as a community. So I have several families that have oh, really? yeah, taken me in for holidays and, and weddings, funerals, all that stuff. So I really look at the community as more of a family for me as opposed to even a community. I love that. There's not a lot of towns out there that do that. So that's something that's very special. I'd say I would kind of call it a kindred spirit about Laguna Beach to where we all embrace each other for who we are and, and, and do what we need to do with that. Yes. But interestingly enough, after I got out of high school and whatnot, you know, I graduated in 1994, I ended up going away to college in Santa Cruz and I came back and ended up working at the Sandpiper. Now, the funny part about that was, is like, you know, I see all these guys I went to school with and I see them in a different format, right? Before we were playing football together and hanging out right. and all that stuff. Then now we're out in the social scene doing the thing. I've seen a lot of people that came from nothing rise to the top. And I've seen a lot of people that were at the top go directly to the bottom. Especially when Ed called me a couple weeks ago. I mean, that's kind of what we were talking about is what happened to the old bros? Like what happened to this guy and that guy we grew up with? And and I'm obviously not going to mention anyone's names here. But it's pretty depressing to see that there's people out there that have resources in excess and family and friends that, you know, totally love them and still end up in these deep, dark places. So what I was getting at is, um, for me, I felt really bad that like I was like never really there. I, or at least I interpreted it that I wasn't there. Like if I had a friend commit suicide, I was like, well, how was it I missed them? Or, or why didn't they call me up? Or how was it that like they didn't know how yeah. much I loved them and I would be there for them if they were to ask? And that's right. when I realized for myself that there really was not a safe space for men to really go to and go, hey, you know what? I'm kind of fucked up right now. I don't know what to do. So I yeah. started looking in the mirror and, and started looking at solutions on that for myself because obviously uh, with grief associated with death and whatnot, I mean, I had an enormous amount of death as a child. I probably lost nine family members in the first 10 years of my life. Half my family was actually so gunned sorry. down in a church up in Los Angeles. Different story, but... Oh my God. It's not what happens to you. It's what you do with it. I looked at all that stuff as a way for me to kind of look within and figure out like, okay... I know this is an issue. Yeah, you know, I know I like to drink, I know I like to party, whatnot, but how do we get past this stuff, right? And oddly enough, I started taking care of myself in a way where I started using Google first to go and like just look at, you know, different blogs and different perspectives of different men's groups discussing uh, different aspects of mental health and issues that other people were having. And I also took due diligence to look at women's groups too for perspective to make sure that there's nothing I was missing, right? So didn't want this to be a one-sided conversation for myself. Okay, good. After that was all kind of squared up for me, and I kind of had a foundation where I felt comfortable admitting that I might have had a problem, right? Next thing I did is start communicating with my friends that I had a problem. Like, hey, guys, I know that, like, you know, I uh, am semi-successful. I know that I work well. I know I'm super social. I know I have a relatively happy life, but there's something that's kind of bugging me. And then that allowed me to expand that conversation into a much bigger conversation to realize, wait a minute, Sean, you're even less alone than you might have thought you were in in your thoughts, right? Right. That's what I would call like my personal phase two. Okay. After I 
we achieved that courage for myself. Then uh, I ended up going to my doctor, my normal doctor, a guy named Scott Greenspan, uh, Samuel Capistrano, excellent doctor. He's retired just recently. I miss him. Him and I, he was there with me through the loss of my mother and some other stuff and whatnot. And, you know, I had a business shut down a few years back. That was crazy, but it's pretty stressed out. And I went in there and first we were talking about Xanax and all this other stuff. And, and, and he really encouraged me to take more of a holistic approach to that. And so good. in the temporary, I used to have these anxiety attacks and I was taking Xanax and that was fine. Yeah. But the problem is when you start taking Xanax, right? Let's say, for example, you're a social guy like me. Yes. I could take a Xanax at like 9 a.m., right? Because I'm freaking out about something with work or something financial or something with my family, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then by like 8 o'clock, I forgot that I even had the issue. So by then, I'm back to my little, you know, social butterfly self. I'm out doing stuff, whatever. And say I might have a cocktail or two, right? Next thing you know, that one cocktail that I had feels to me like I've had seven because I literally like forgot. Well, yeah, because I, you're not, because you, mixing that, yeah. Right. And it's also very addictive. It's also very addictive. And when, and when it drops off, you're, there's a rebound anxiety. Right. It was pretty bad. So they have to be careful with it. And it's so wonderful to find doctors that want to take a holistic approach. But I'm not knocking the use of it because I know it's there and it can save lives. When you're having a, an actual panic attack and you feel like, yeah, you feel like you're going to die. You don't know if you're having a heart attack or what. So it's useful. So I'm not knocking anyone, but I get it. Uh, to say the least, I got to expand on that though. I have to expand on that. It's just too funny. Okay, sure. Honest to God truth. My mother's funeral, right? Like, uh, I'm, I'm a hands-on guy. Anybody that knows me, I like to be front and center. So I showed up my mom's funeral, you know, half an hour before everybody else got there. So they're wheeling her into the church as I get there, and the guys didn't know that I was actually her son. They actually had me help her, which is, I guess, inappropriate. I wouldn't have made it to that day without two things. My buddy John Ray and uh, Xanax. Straight no, up, no, because there was nothing. I was inconsolable, and yeah, I'm just trying to get through that. So I completely am telling you right now, everyone has their own situation and their own path. I'm not judging anybody. I'm just telling you how it worked for me, <laughs> you know, it's from perspective. I get it. Yeah, but the whole thing with moving back beyond that, after like probably I'd say probably a good year of managing panic attacks with Xanax and playing stuff off still, I had to get real raw with myself. And uh, I ended up going back to Scott, my doctor. And I go, you know, Scott, I think I need a referral to actually go talk to a mental health professional. I want to go do that. And I'm not sure if people are aware or not, but you have two schools of thought. There's the psychological thought right. process, and then there's also the psychiatric right. thought process. Right. I'm not a fan of anybody. I mean, to each his own, I wouldn't let my son or anybody else go directly into uh, psychiatry without oh, yeah. looking at the psychology Absolutely. behind it. Yeah. It's kind of like about self-managing, right? Like, you have to figure out how to manage your own emotions. And I think that, like, the message I wanted to put out to everyone here is, Part of doing that for me, at least, you guys, was I had to really get out of my own way and look at me first. Like, everything had to be my fault first for, like, a month. Didn't matter what happened. Someone could walk up and hit me in the head. It was still my fault. And lo and behold, occasionally, it was true, right? Interestingly enough, as I, you know, progressed through that, I, I went to a counseling center that I got a referral. The referral takes forever to get to. That's the tough part, too, Don. It does. It took me probably six to eight weeks to get her phone. I think I, I missed my first appointment and I was devastated because I was looking forward to it. And I'd been trying to like manage all these things I had going on without getting to that appointment first. So when I finally got there, it was interesting because I sat down with my doctor at the time and I'm not going to say her name either, HIPAA stuff, whatever. She uh, is a little fire plug, 29 year old girl, very, very intelligent young woman. But I just walked in and I go, look, my name is Sean Brown and uh, I'm just going to lay it on you. I mean, if we're going to do this, I have to promise you I'll be honest, right? That's number one. And I go, I promise I'm going to be naked. Not not really naked, yeah. but I'm going to be naked with you right, in regards right. to us talking. 
she asked me where I want to start at, and I recall kind of starting with uh, my childhood, right? I went into some things about that where I was like, this kind of confused me about this, and this was an issue here. And the more and more we started to dig through the mud of my emotional trauma, uh, it became very apparent that everything that I thought was a problem wasn't really the problem. Turns out that I have a problem saying no. Right. Right. Like, it's like, I always want everybody to win. I always want like, to like be in the mix with stuff. I always want to like people smiling and happy. Right. But at times you can also ha- have great intentions with that, but still take yourself the wrong way. And so I really wasn't putting myself first, right? I was always doing what I need to do for everybody else. And it also turned out that like, I felt a bit of uh, I don't know, obligation or commitment because remember the town we're talking about, our hometown, Laguna Beach, Yes. that town raised me. Not just like one person here or there. It's like, right. top of my head, uh, the Rainies, the Dunlops, the Marks, the Michelskis, the Westcards. Like those people are all like family right. to me. And these people are my birthdays. You know, where we've laughed together, cried together. So it's different because we're kind of like pistons. Some of us are up sometimes and some of us are down other times, but neither of us are ever really judging each other. Right. But I think that part of this conversation and part of the stuff that we got going on right now is more so to look at the younger generations, right? Yes. Because now in this culture of options that we live in, mm-hmm. right? I mean, everyone's unfortunate people date. Not me, you guys. At least anymore, but the whole tender things that takes our, our, our whole deal in a whole different direction. No, I can imagine. I have, is, I have, is for me, is a- there's just an av- available options for everything for dating. It just seems like for everything, to be honest, there's always the next best thing. You're going on social media, you're looking at everybody else's highlights, reels, and seeing their vacations or their new house, their new car, their perfect relationship, which oftentimes is not perfect. And you find out they, they're they uh, divorced or broken up with uh, three months later. <laughs> Where did that come from? Because they always look perfect, yeah, you know, exactly. but it always looks like there's an infinite amount of people you can be connected with. There's just, there's a lot of options available to younger people that we didn't have. I'm a little older than you, not much, but I am. Yeah, you're, you're, you're totally right. But the weird thing is about like us uh, generation Xers, right? Before millennials came, like we've kind of been the last generation to actually have uh, right. a, uh, what I call yes. a pre-digital. yes engagement as Americans, right? Like, I mean, I, I used to have to meet my friends exactly. on the corner and be like, oh, hey, Bob, we're going to hang out like uh, at 2.30. It's like, okay, I'll, I'll, meet you, I'll meet you downtown by Starbucks, uh, you know, at 2 o'clock. I'll meet you in the food court, like, or I'll meet you on the beach. Like, and there, there was an art. Yeah, but there were no texts like, oh my God, I'm five minutes away. Where are you? We just, you just had to trust that you would meet and we would meet, you know, it would happen. Right. And, and so, oddly enough, I feel like we're like the last uh, generation to really be able to, to even sell food if you get into it. Because, I mean, now I think the youngsters call yeah. it, it. They don't have any feels. They don't want to feel anything, you know. Well, they do a fairly good job of it. But yeah. it's also our job to, like, kind of bridge that gap for them and give them some resources about directions you can take should you choose that you need to go and deal with something. Right. We just don't want people out there that yes, feel like they can't talk to their friends or their family or or, or know that as a community, we're here to do our part. Because, I mean, here's the thing. It's it's very easy to sit there and judge and go, okay, well, this guy's doing this or that guy's yep. doing that. But most people I know Absolutely. have done everything we're talking about. Most people I know in that whole place. Right. right? And I, I was there for most of it, so I'm not going to even try and call anybody out. I'm just going to say, we only have a certain amount of time to be effective on this planet. And right now, I think that all the people that I uh, love and, and, and adore that I grew up with, you know, we've really done a, a fairly decent job of, of trying to increase that conversation. And it, it takes us also to kind of self-improve at the same time, right? So it's exciting. Right. 
I mean, I'm really proud of Ed. I don't know if everyone knows Ed Cardenas from Laguna Beach, or even if you don't, he's a great guy. Uh, I actually played football with his cousin Manny back in the day. So uh, they're like family to me. I just saw them, you know, a few weeks ago. We lost a, a dear friend of ours. And he started the recovery center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ed called me up and he goes, hey, well, there's something I want to work on. You know, I was pretty busy at the time, but I finally got back to him and he lets me know. He's like, some of our buddies from high school are living up on the streets in uh, Huntington or this guy's got kicked out of his house, whatever, you know, stuff like that. I'm like, wow, okay. So what we did is without actually uh, talking about that, because I mean, it's a problem if you like, if you want to take this information and, and, and go use that as some sort of story to champion for other people or even make it about yourself, it gets ruined immediately. We uh, have kept right. the strictest privacy on what everyone's got going on, but discreetly offered services up there and offered volunteers that we know from various aspects as far as, I mean, we're talking about Eddie's involvement is to talk about drug and alcohol abuse, but I mean, there's people that have come to us that actually would like watch your children for you so you can go to a meeting or host right. things at their homes or just l- the little stuff that makes a difference when people are stressed out. Right. And, and we largely yes. live in a society now to where it's not a comfortable space for you to be able to be honest, whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're straight or gay, it doesn't matter to be like, hey, yep. this is what's going on with me. Yep. I'd like to address this issue. And, you know, you're supposed to be my friend. Can we talk about this? People don't offer you the time for that. Now it's like, oh, yeah, well. No, not anymore. Want to grab a cocktail, see at Sapphire or meet you the bird at midnight. And that's all great. Right. But it's a bunch of BS. I mean, we really need to evolve. I mean, what's the point of uh, being from yeah, a place like Laguna? No, if we're from Laguna, right, we got to be a bit more of an example, even in our mistakes. So that gets lost sometimes. Yes. I think that I would just try and say I'd encourage anybody out there who has any questions about any sort of resource they might need, feel free to send me an email. I mean, my email address is uh, Tishan. My name's Tyshawn Jamal Brown. But anyways, it's uh, T-I-S-H-A-W-N. B is in boy at gmail.com. Just drop me a note and I'm more than happy to put anybody in touch with, with the number of resources that we have. I often ask myself, like, you surely know a lot of people, Sean, for really being a nobody. I'm like, yeah, you know, that's right. I was being facetious. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is like the, the blessing for me, the beauty of it is, is there are so many people that are so willing to be helpful out there. And I'm just happy to know them from any angle, right? Most of these things are free or by donation. And I just think that if we can even save a half a life a year, we're in the right direction. I think that if even five people pick up half of what I'm saying or what we're talking about, then we're, we're doing our part. And that's all we can encourage that people do their part and have a little bit more conviction and a little bit more vulnerability with each other to know that, you know what, you're never really alone. That's all. No, you're not. You're not alone. Then there's a guarantee there's somebody else going through what you're going through either last night or at the same moment or not, or the next day, even if they're not going through the exact same thing, something similar, but you just won't know about it. People don't talk about it. Even if you're really close friends, it's hard to be open. And that's why these resources are needed. If you look online, of course, you're not going to see that. You're just going to see everybody's, you know, happy and it can be really isolating. Right. And you know what? I wouldn't feel comfortable having this conversation without adding something else in too. Like when I said that I went and did my due diligence on the female side of things, I, I really did. There is a doctor that I used to listen to. Her name is Dr. Lisa Marie Bobby. Okay. And she's out of Denver. Um, beautiful woman. I mean, she's just, uh, she's just one of the sweetest people. I'd love to meet her in person sometime, but I got a lot of perspective too on a lot of things that go on from a woman's perspective, because that's important too. You have to know the other half to get your own, right? Right. Uh, that's an excellent resource for women. I mean, if, if women have things out there, because obviously we all have our issues, 
I recommend her any day of the week for anybody who was looking for some guidance or topics on relationships or, or life or, or parenting or losing children, all these different aspects of, of stuff we face. Um, right. It's important. I'm in a technology business. So for me, I think that made it kind of easier to locate these things, which is why I wanted to make sure I mentioned right. that. You know, there's people right. I know who don't really use, okay. you know, uh, podcasts and stuff in the same way I might do it, or maybe you will. But I, I just think that it's it's very encouraging to at least be able to be part of the, the movement to shift people in a direction where they can find stuff that they need to feel safe that much easier. Right, exactly. That's a great resource. And what was her name again? Uh, her name was Dr. Lisa Marie Bobby. And I believe she's out of Colorado. Oh, she's out of Colorado. But she, so does she have a podcast available? Yeah, or, she, um, she does. I think it's called or the... Just maybe Google her. No, it's called the Love happiness and relationship success whatever some along those lines you can't miss her she's pretty popular okay. but the cool thing about her and i really am like, I'm impressed with how she does things because she actually has like a multi-state network of therapists set up to you can actually do video sessions i believe on her facebook page you can go drop information right like you can ask her a question and she literally will have her or someone from her staff get back to you so, I mean, that's pretty meaningful. Right. Just throwing that out there. To get back to like my sessions, I probably went to, I'd say. Yeah. How many sessions did you go to when you, you started therapy? Probably like uh, 25. It's kind of weird because there's also the financial aspect. We should talk about that for a second because I have really, really good insurance. Yes. Right. And so I'm still paying $30 a pop, but I believe that like in my, uh, my insurance, I got the billing for it. It's about 230 bucks a session. Yeah. Honestly, a lot of people, your insurance doesn't even cover. I've gone and it's $150. My insurance doesn't cover it. People, you can't afford to do that and you don't have insurance. That's great that you have one that makes it $30. Yeah, but you know, and it's great that I have that, but I mean, it really kind of pisses me off that like, what if I didn't? I mean, like I'm, I'm, I mean, I would almost yeah. wish somebody else that, you know, is a little bit, um, Worse off than I have could have mine. I can switch with them because I didn't technically need it as much as they would have. Right. But that, that, I just want to say that right, that's, right. that is part of the whole like uh, journey for me. That's part of the intimidation of, of facing your own mental health, male or female. It's like, okay, how am I going to pay for this too? Because I'm sorry. Yep, exactly. You, that's, uh, well, let me see here, uh, almost $120 a month in copays and $1,000 a month in billing. Yep. So I, I just think that also back to, you know, why I'm so proud of Ed and, uh, you know, the folks over at Blind Faith doing all that work is like basically – these are resources that are going to cost you that kind of money, but that if you were to go through the, let's, we'll just call it the quote unquote system would. And, and that's another reason why we're doing these things is essentially to not make it about money. I don't think that like any one person deserves more attention than the next. Anyone who raises their hand, especially in our community, should have a place to, to feel safe and discuss what it is they go through. Especially with guys that have already right. been there and right. done that. Because like, like I said, it's not like I'm sitting here like some highbrow guy. Like I've never had a cocktail or said gotten drunk or done anything stupid. Come on. Anybody knows me that's not, knows that's not the case. But I can look and say, you know what? Yeah, I made those mistakes. I might even do it again. But also I can look at other people from a perspective of, without judging them and let them know they're less alone. You know, I don't think it'd be possible to talk about this without bringing up a buddy of mine um and th this guy i'm gonna mention by name because i don't care if he does whatever it's my boys my buddy okay. uh my brother Luis perez the third one of the, the first friends i've ever had that really got sober and i believe i'm okay you don't quote me on this but i'm pretty sure he's been sober about 18 years and i gotta say first of all wow yeah congratulations brother because me and louis used to be crazy we were nuts like 
great time, but I mean, he's still a brother of mine, but I mean, he, I, I recall one time and he'll remember this. We had a conversation where we're like, you know, one day we're going to live our lives and not necessarily need to have all this excess and have all these things that we do. And he's short up on that commitment way more than I have. And I'm really, really proud of him for that. But what I'll tell you is, it's like, you know, I was lucky enough, he went and he tattooed me probably about a year ago. We don't see each other anywhere near often enough. He's busier than all heck with a bunch of stuff, as am I, but we're still very, very tight. And I just have to say, uh, for me to see the shift in who he is and how he affects the people around him through even his own journey, right? He doesn't make a big deal out about it, but I think that it's weird because it just shows me that I'd like to achieve being more of a piece of light or, or a part of the positivity in things as opposed to just kind of participating, I guess. It's really fun to run into all my friends yeah. at the Sandpiper and go, oh, hey, you know, what's going on, and blah, 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 and maybe go to an after party, whatever, not. But it's a lot more fun to, like, really be able to embrace somebody and go, hey, you know what? You're good enough to hang out with me, and I love spending time with you just because it's you and I really enjoy your conversation and it's really authentic and it really means something to me because uh, we have that infinite amount of time to spend with people or at places or doing things I just think that the point of getting a little bit older is to just try and do it in a little more style and class and, and with the right people now how can we as a society men are just not really encouraged to express their emotions it's getting better but we both have sons how can we do better for our sons out there so they can feel that it's okay to talk about these things, okay to have emotions, it's okay to to talk to somebody, it's okay to get help before you just, you know, drown them in alcohol or, or drugs or whatever it is you'll do. Yeah, yeah. And see, it's, I think, it's awesome that you actually asked me this because um, I worry about this stuff with Noah, obviously my son. Noah's six years old and he's a lot like his right. daddy. So I, I see him, I'm like, okay, I really need to watch this child now. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. like I have to do what I did. <laughs> yeah, it's like my son's like me. Yeah. Right. I would say that the conversation really starts with this. I believe that if you can just spend a, like more of our time doing things with people that might be at risk that don't involve uh, necessarily like having like the Christmas party at your house where everyone's getting loaded or, you know, like not really like necessarily right. hiding these things from, from, from kids, but just not necessarily like broadcasting it either. Right. Like, I mean, <laughs> you don't need to like right, you know, get right. crazy. I think that a lot of kids already have enough with the internet now and everything else. Right. To where, Yep. They can just basically like go watch porn or, you know, do whatever they want to do basically just instantly right there. And yeah. I think that what we need to do is get people outside more. I think we need to do things that are more community driven. And I think that, yep. you know, we need to uh, get back to the kind of old school method of where like your neighbor might cuss your kid out if somebody's doing something stupid. I mean, I want my neighbors to call me if my son's doing something weird. We need to become more of a community and, and yeah. have less shame and, and face these things up front and, and not from a position of weakness, but understand that if your emotional state into question, or if you're going, Hey, this is what I'm feeling. You're not weak. You're actually strong. That's my point. Donna is if you're, if you're out there saying what the issues are for you and paying attention to yourself, that's a form of loving yourself, which is the, the, the greatest amount of strength you could ever have. Absolutely. So I, I think that it really is, is, there's no one answer to that, but I just think it's just kind of trying to create an openness in your home for a conversation. And, um, Get off your own goddamn phone, too. Excuse my French, but, but that's the thing, too. Like, I mean, I typically, people get yeah. mad because I, I never call yeah. anybody back. But, like, when I have Noah or, you know, whatever, I typically take my phone and put it somewhere far, far away and, and just do that for a while. You know, go for a walk, get out, yeah. and, and Good, you know, yeah. just do things with him and, and not make it about that immediacy that life demands. I mean, during the week, I mean, I must answer a thousand emails a week. And, you know, I, I work defense contracts. So, you know, I, I'm, 
really heavily involved on the technology side with the DOD. But in doing that, right. I have to shut down too. When I'm not around like that work, I don't want to talk about it. I want to think about it. I don't want to post anything. You know, I, I am obsessed with posting my Instagram pictures of my food yeah. and my songs. But besides that. Yeah, that, yes, but that's fun. That's fun. Yeah, I know what you mean. But that's, that's yeah, that's an outlet. Yeah. yeah. But I'm just saying, like, maybe if we could, uh, like, turn our phones off around our children and, and get them outside more. I think right. that would be pretty effective. Absolutely. I think that, like, as far as the people that are at the high school level right now, that's a really scary place, too. Yes. Because, um. Growing up in Laguna, right? I mean, like when I moved to uh, Laguna Beach, my mom, first year of high school, I moved, she took me to Laguna Surface Sport, gave me like 200 bucks. I walked out with a pair of like bear jean shorts, a pair of bear shorts, some sensei sandals, and like a pink polo uh, volleyball shirt. That was my, my uh, outfit for high school, my first little day. But the pressures there then, right. I used to think that like, I had it rough, right? I could not imagine what these kids go through now, regardless of like, you know, uh, where they come from in the world or what they look like. It's just the pressure is so much more on is with things being more sexualized now and not that yes. I'm either way on it, but I'm saying like with just drugs and how they're accepted in Laguna Beach, everything else, right? It, it's a very, very difficult space, I think, to not have to perform in, I think, right? So I think that people need to take a step right. back on that too. I mean, I think that the cool kids that I grew up with are the ones that are, uh, chasing down athletic goals or academic goals but i can also sit here and tell you that at the time yeah. we didn't look at it that way we looked just like we want to go down the short street and smoke cigarettes or go down on the backside and you know yeah. have a bowl or whatever i mean that's just the way it was right right but there's regret in my heart for that i mean i wish i could have seen things a different way and, and kind of that's that's why i'm here yeah. making this uh, confession this is truly a confession that anybody young in yeah. town, uh, I'm here for you because I, I, I've been doing it for a long time. I understand how it feels. And uh, I think the problem is, is like, you know, you take a community like, uh, say, South Central Los Angeles. Those kids up there, like, obviously there's drugs, right? But they don't have the money to buy them like you do in Laguna. You see what I'm saying? Right. So once again, not mentioning names, I can look back when I was 16 and guys were doing things that we need to be doing and had the means to do it 10 times over. So, I mean, you know, pause for effect there, but I think that's a, a much larger problem there. We got to like stop making it seem like so normalized in the community and so normalized at home. Oddly enough, I've never been much of one for it, but uh, the, the amount of pharmaceuticals going around, right? Yes, that's a big problem. Yeah. Yeah, because that stuff's just, you know, sitting there in uh, people's parents' cabinets. One of my yes. ex girlfriends, uh, is, she works for Capistrano Valley Unified School District. She's assistant principal there. And she was telling me that uh, a lot of kids, you know, probably about six, seven years ago, were having these parties where they basically take a, pill, a bottle of pills and they all throw them into a big jar, right? And like everyone just takes whatever. Oh my god! And quite uh, honestly, that's unimaginable, right? So you don't even know what you're taking, oh. right? But I'm growing up in excess. A lot of people think like, oh well, you know, we're good. You know, I live in a million dollar home, and you know, my kids go to Thurston, and you know, whatever, Annalise, and. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, that would never happen to me. I can imagine. And I have friends that have had uh, struggles with that, with their kids growing up through the high school here in Laguna Beach. So any kind right. of community like this that has money and a party lifestyle. That's the other thing is people come here. It's a resort town. It's a party. It's people come here to, to have fun. So there's a lot of bars and there's a lot of uh, parties. There's just a lot of fun. So it's very easy to get caught up in that. Right. You know, it's funny you mentioned that too, because I mean, let's, let's discuss the underbelly a little bit. I remember one time, this is probably about, I'd say, Jesus, probably 14, 15 years ago, I was actually working down at the Sandpiper. I saw a woman get drugged with GHB, 
And uh, I got tasked with dealing with her. And I swore to God, Don, that was one of the scariest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Now, think about it. This person just went out here to instantly have a cocktail or so they think, right? Everyone has good intentions. But who in the hell is this person? I'm not going to say it's a man or a woman that's going to come by and, like, you know, dump something in your drink that you don't, you didn't even want, right? I mean, there's that side of things too, right? Right. I walk into the woman's bathroom, and this woman literally is like, she fell over the toilet with her dress over her head and she's a nice lady i'm not gonna even go into who it is but i'm saying like having to try and save her life scared me straight in a lot of ways and in regards to a lot of things because it's like oh you know you don't just flip you over and it's not i didn't know what to do i'd never been in front of that before right. and that's what i'm saying i'm happy that i saw that so that hopefully someone else doesn't have to see that Right. You see, I mean, it's just there's so many different pathways that lead you the wrong direction. And I, I think that rather than even say like it's about me or about you, it's just about we all need to share each other's perspective to lighten that load to go, OK, you know, if you do something stupid, you, you didn't just do that. stupid. You might have done it that one time, but it's it's like a piston. Everyone does something weird or, or dumb to somebody at some point in time. Right. <laughs> Whatever. Right. And get, get over it, too. You know what I mean? Get over it as well but i'm just saying that like people really need to start do a better job of taking care of themselves socially as well like i mean i don't believe that you need to go in a social setting and start doing drugs with people and and all this other stuff all the time i mean honestly i, I think that's a, a little archaic i mean we've all done it but it doesn't mean you need to continue to do it right. so it's also a matter of discernment you know what i mean you see that you're around some shady people take off yep go home. exactly get out you know it's just better for you take care of yourself first Absolutely. And don't worry about it. Half of those people won't even remember that you were there the next day. Right. But I mean, especially down there too, because I mean, the pressure now with all like the new people that live in town and everything else, right. the pressure is even higher. Right. There's more money. You know, like, cause now, you know, people are, yeah, twice as bougie and half the soul. So what does that mean? I mean, you know, how do we, how do we even get into that? You know I mean? It's just, it's, it's sad. Here's the thing. How do we talk about this without talking about homeless people at the same time too, right? Right. Right. Odd story here. Uh, again, no names, uh, more respect than that. But uh, there's some guys that I went to school with that I absolutely love. They're just great kids, you know, like cool people now that I've been out before and I'll see these guys walk up to me and they live on the street. Oh. And, you know, I, I've got a decision to make then, right? I'm like, okay, first of all, yeah, I went to school with you and yeah, I could, you know, blow you off, which is a couple, there's a couple ways to do that though. I could throw you a 20 and, you know, patch you in the ass, tell you to go about your business. I can, talk to you i can do both or i can avoid right i've never avoided a single person that i i know regardless of what's going on with them now i'm also not going to just give you a free pass like oh well too bad boo-hoo but i'm asking how you're doing and what you're up to and, and then take that update on you from there and right I, I say that to say this don there's a lot of people that people will look at you okay well that guy's homeless that actually are from town that his parents have a ton of money all right or whatever you want to call it or have a house in the hill but they just made a series of mistakes that have yep. distanced them yes you know in some way from all that yep yep I, I also feel it's important for us to understand that like you know in these luxurious communities if uh you know you want to go out to sapphire or go to uh, a nice restaurant downtown and have dinner all the folks that work there, right, in those restaurants, right? Yes. They don't show you have money, right? But they do spend their time, their holidays, their weekends away from their loved ones in support of luxury, yes. right? Now, I have a lot of friends that are chefs, 
And the thing that's funny about those guys is, I mean, it's a blessing to know them because, like, they have a completely different perspective on everything. They live in, in the limelight of all the rest of this excess, right? right? But I think that, say, for example, you're somebody who's 40 years old and you've been serving at a restaurant for 20 years. Right. Well, they don't really have retirement packages at restaurants if you're a server that's popular around, right? So you're on your feet all the time and you work in late hours and, you know, towards the end of the night, you work till 10 o'clock at night, you're going to go out and drink and that's, that's, that's a different kind of lifestyle. I know I should do it. But with that said, those people shouldn't necessarily just be discarded too after the they're deemed no longer useful because, uh, you know, they're cool. In other words, it's okay when they're like serving you a cocktail in a bar, letting you in somewhere, but then all of a sudden, like they become the help when they, they can't basically be at your beck and call anymore. That's not right. So the Laguna I grew up in, you took people that were homeless, right? Shit. I've I've almost been homeless myself, right? (laughs) I just call it what it is, but we've embraced them in a different manner than where now it's like, People posting pictures of of homeless people uh, on the street, like you know, oh my god, you see this? My 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 six year old is doing this. Or my, it's like, come on, that is life. That is life. You can't shelter them from not seeing that. Take them to any other city in this world. They'll, they'll Why would you want to? I know. Well, there are a lot of people, not just here, but there are a lot of people that they think having having their kids see that. I guess it scars them for life. But it, it's. To me, that's sad. They they want to raise their kids in a bubble, you know. They don't want to. Stay. But the thing is, they don't see any economic diversity at all. Not even just of that scale, but even of not a at a more reasonable scale. They just see the ultra rich, and that's a big problem. They don't see right. diversity culturally. And I'm speaking of Laguna Beach. It's culturally, it's you know, it's pretty much one race. It's pretty much uh, one culture, and it's very wealthy, affluent, you know. And that's all they're seeing. Well, but it's kind of weird. Like, yeah, oddly enough, I'm just kind of off topic. But, you know, I took Noah. Um, we went to go see family up in Los Angeles. And then we stopped at this place called JJ's Rib Shack, right? right? It was the first time my son had ever seen a bump. And, um, you know, it was a fellow black man, whatever. But this guy was, like, out there, Don. He probably had been smoking crack or whatever. Oh, God. And to be honest with you, I was very happy that Noah got to see that man. Because I looked over at my little boy and said, hey, look, dude. That's not you. Yeah. Right? That's not you. <laughs> don't like, want right. to be. Yeah. And that's it. Because... Yeah, but I also want him to know and have an awareness that the, the people are different. People uh, do go to different places. People have different sets of problems. Yes. So that it's like not so like awkward for him when he, like, wait, you think I want him running around like, oh, oh my God, there's a homeless guy. No, thanks. That's not even what we're about. It's not even what we're about. Not at all. So we, we somehow lose some of that. Absolutely. And posting photos and just shaming it, it's just a way to say, look, they're an other. That's who they are. We just want to sweep them away. Not being able to notice that it's actually could even happen to, to some of these people that are posting it. It, you know, you can be a few paychecks away from possibly being homeless. Everybody is regards to the bros. Yeah. No, no, I think you're right. Actually. Yeah. But the funny thing is uh, what I say to the folks that do that kind of stuff out there, yeah, it's like, exactly. look guys, you can run, but you can't hide. I mean, there's always going to be someone that's homeless or doesn't have as much as you. And that's what you wanted. You got it. Not a big deal. The big thing is, is that uh, everyone who uh, needs to help, if you want to help, go to uh, the Laguna Beach Institute of Blind Faith. And uh, reach out to either myself, Sean Brown, uh, Mr. Ed Cardenas, and uh, hit us up. I mean, we're here to help. You can talk to Eric Holsworth also, too. And, and we're here for you guys and, and girls. Ladies, yeah. you guys, too. It's not include, exclude women by any means. I'm just saying I wanted to focus in on the men's side of things, comedy, because I'm a man. But um, we all need to figure out how to just bridge that gap and be here for each other. And, uh, you know, I'm still learning a lot of these things at the same time, too. By no means am I saying that, like, I'm above anything. I'm just in the middle of it. And I wanted to raise my hand and admit that, like, you know, I'm working on my stuff with my own faults and everything else like that. And I'm more than happy to be there for anybody and part of their conversation. And uh, don't be surprised if some of you, I call you and ask you for help. 
help with me. You know, some of you guys have known me for a long time, or some of you have known me for a long time too. I might need to call you up and talk about some stuff. So look out. I mean, I just think that uh, we need a little refresher, you guys. We need we need to give each other a big hug and and, and move forward. So I look forward to it. Yeah, we do. We need a big hug. Move forward. People need to be able to talk about these things. And that's wonderful. And now the recovery service, you and Edward Cardenas are running. Um, can they find that on Facebook as well? Yeah, give me one sec here. Hang on, I'm actually pulling up the link so I can actually tell you. While we're on this, can you tell me about your podcast a little bit? About Teaspoon of Healing? Like why I started it? or Yeah, yeah. Like I just, like what, what, what happened? What, what made you start it up? Well, I mean, I this wasn't my first show. I had radio shows on the Laguna Beaches KX93.5, I had a variety show I was on, happy hour. Kind of mirrors this conversation. It was about partying. I was the sarcastic one. There was a, my friend was kind of the the dumb blonde, even though she wasn't dumb. And then there was the guy that was running it. And then I had another show, The Groove Express, which is about local bands in Laguna Beach and in Southern California. And then I left for personal reasons and because I was back in school. And, you know, I had had some health scares in my family and with a couple friends and I come from a healthcare family, but I kind of rebelled against it. I didn't want, my dad's a doctor, my mom's a nurse, and I always was interested in it, but I'm like, no, no, I don't want to deal with the blood. I don't want to deal. And I was a corporate communications journalist, like UX designer. I did all this other stuff completely unrelated. After having kids and after leaving the radio, I decided I want to go back to, to the to healthcare. So I'm back in school and a teaspoon of healing. I wanted people to be able to share their healing journeys, whether it's physical healing, some people talk about healing from cancer, emotional healing, and also healing with food. A lot of it is about is about nutrition and, uh, and mindfulness, fitness, but mainly the healing stories. And like somebody like you telling your personal story, that that's really, those are my favorite interviews. I do interview experts as well about, about certain things about, you know, it's, it's more of a holistic alternative health vent but I'll have practitioners or experts on here. But my favorite ones are people sharing their stories. That's awesome. Well, I, I thank you for having me. But listen to me. What I want to tell you is funny. I got to um, brag a little bit. I did listen to you on the radio. You did a great job. So thanks for that. That was cool. Awesome. Oh, you did? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was fun. It was a fun three years. But yeah, I, I get it. I totally get it. go back a little bit. But back to your original question, though, <laughs> about the uh, recovery services. The group is called, it's with Indian yes. Blind Faith Group. So Laguna Beach Institute of Blind Faith. Any real old school folks know what that means. But within it's called the From Laguna for Laguna Recovery Services. At this time, we are only helping folks that are from town. So the reason being is because we got to clean up our backyard first, right? We only have enough resources to do things for people that are from town or they don't have to actually live in town anymore. Just as long as you're part of the community, whatever. But um, everything is on a donation basis. Um, I don't have anything to do with the money at all. That stuff, Eddie runs all that stuff too. I'm I'm more on the uh, operational side of things, we'll say. Yeah, really, what we're going to do is actually take like all of the uh, various resources we've been offered and kind of formalize them into a set of services and then publish that. Just we want to make it as easy as possible for people to be able to get out there and get what they need without having to call us. And um, I feel like I need to say this as well, too, because, you know, obviously I'm one of the moderators or the admins for uh, our groups, but I don't read any of the the submissions uh, as far as people asking for help, just to be appropriate, because obviously I know a lot of people, but I don't want anyone to think that any of this stuff turns into gossip, because that's the last thing that I would ever do. I mean, you know, that's make no sense. So we want you to really feel safe and welcome and, and at home. Because for a lot of us, it, it really doesn't matter where you reside in the world, you guys. Uh, Laguna's in the heart, and it always will be. And we're always here for each other, 100%. That's wonderful that you guys do that for each other. 
Well, thank you for helping too. That I mean, helps for getting, for getting the word out there. But I mean, I think a lot of cool things are going to come. And I do too. I'm pretty sure I'll have a pretty significant update for you soon. Oh, good. We can have you back on and, and talk more in the future. Well, thank you, Sean, for joining me on A Teaspoon of Healing. Um, is there anything you want to share with our listeners before we sign off? Um, let's keep it frosty, folks. Love you guys. Have a good weekend. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, take care. You too. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Teaspoon of Healing. If you have any questions for me or for Sean, visit my website, teaspoonofhealing.com. Click on contact and I'll get back to you. You can also email me, dawn at teaspoonofhealing.com or visit my Instagram at teaspoonofhealing or facebook.com slash teaspoonofhealing. And if you haven't been to my website recently, you can check out my blog, download show notes, and there's a lot more to come. So stay tuned for that on the website front. And if you are not a current subscriber on iTunes, please subscribe and leave me a star rating or a review. I'd appreciate it and love it. And stay tuned next week for another episode. Thank you for listening to A Teaspoon of Healing with Dawn Damari, your home for wellness and vibrant living. For more resources on wellness and vibrant living, visit us online at teaspoonofhealing.com. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. Please consult a physician or other health professional before undertaking changes in lifestyle or wellness habits. The author claims no responsibility to any person or entity for any liability, loss, or damage caused or alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of use, application, or interpretation of the information presented herein. Hey there, this is Sean. And this is Frank Jag from Sensibly Cynical. And you can check us out on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher application. Or just be real, you can just Google our name, Sensibly Cynical. That too.